Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. As the Bucks get back out on the court today and they finish off the Orlando Magic, they win the first round series 4 1 with a 118 104 win over the Magic. That I would have to say, considering what has happened over the last 72 hours, considering clearly where the coaches and players' minds were at pre-game and post-game, judging by their comments that were very much not basketball-related and, and on more important issues than the game that went down. I have to say, I was very impressed by this team's ability to go out in the court and take care of business. It was, I thought it was, it was clinical. It got a little bit close at the end, no doubt about it. But overall, uh, this was the Milwaukee Bucks that we're used to seeing. And I think the professionalism of these guys to go out and get the job done today under difficult circumstances was very impressive. And Frank, uh, I said this last week to Mitchell, but sometimes we overlook the achievements of this team and what they've been able to get done on the court the last two years. This is the first time the Bucks have advanced past the first round in consecutive seasons since 1986-1987. And although it's not the overall goal of this team to get out of the first round, uh, you gotta, you got to appreciate that. This is not something that we, even we thought was imaginable a couple of years ago. It's always a good sign when, you know, success becomes just sort of normalized. Yeah, so obviously, right. you know, last year, I think winning that first round series, there, it was interesting. I remember thinking like, man, you know, we can't even really celebrate it so much when they beat the Pistons just because it was so expected and, um, there, obviously even last year there was obviously just a kind of bigger fish to fry and obviously same, same to be said this year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you know, losing game one, obviously I think cast a shadow over this entire series, right? It was like, oh, well, yeah, we the book should have swept these guys, you know, so anything, anything now at this point just feels like, you know, you're, you're trying to just redeem that, that first game. But, um, you know, I, I would say, uh, with the exception of game two, um, Orlando shot, you know, I would say above their, you know, punched above their weight from a shooting perspective, um, pretty much the entire rest of the series. And so I think, you know, today we saw it again, the Bucks build uh, a pretty big lead. Giannis and Chris, you know, really spurring some runs that, that gave the Bucks a very big cushion. Obviously, I think it was a 21 points, I think was the biggest lead that they had. And, you know, certainly... I don't know, as, as a Bucks fan, I was never really nervous, even when they, you know, really cut into that lead with a bunch of three-pointers in the fourth quarter. Um, and, you know, Bucks responded as, as you would have wanted them to, and they answered right back with some threes. And, uh, you know, ultimately, obviously, it was a, a pretty, pretty comfortable win in the end. And, and as you said at the top, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, we're talking about literally a game the, the the context of this game, there literally is no precedent for it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're already in the bubble, which is, you know, we're at least sort of, I think players are sort of used to that, but 
to be playing, you know, after the team has decided at the last minute not to play to stand up for obviously, um, you know, social justice issues and try to, I mean, literally the last time these guys tried to play a basketball game, Dan ended up with the Lieutenant governor and the Wisconsin attorney general on the phone, you know, literally caused a wave of games to be postponed, not only in their sport, but in others as well. So, um, so I don't think any of us can put ourselves in the shoes of the players. There's no historical precedent to look at as far as what, what kind of mindset they would come into this game with. Um, but obviously I think, uh, you know, they deserve a lot of credit for looking again, like the team that I think we expected to see uh, coming back from, you know, the suspension of play and, and going into the bubble in the first place. You know, I think that's been more or less the team that we've seen for the past four games. And, um, you know, again, some of it, you know, obviously there were some, some tighter moments in, in all those games they won, but, you know, ultimately they won all these games pretty comfortably. And I think today, you know, the box score, winning by, by double digits again, I think reflected, you know, I think was a fair reflection of, uh, of what we saw on the court today. Um, you know, this is obviously a, a, a much better team than, than the magic, especially the version of the magic we saw. And, you know, ultimately they took care of business and, um, you know, once again, even with the exception of some, some of that three point shooting, I think, you know, defensively, obviously that was the big story to get again. I think the Bucks defense, um, you know, again, we always say it starts with that. And that's, I think that the, the the thing that we saw consistently over the last four games, which obviously we probably, to me, I mean, that was probably the thing I was most worried about coming into the playoffs. Just where was that, you know, stout defense that had carried them all season. Uh, and so it was good, obviously to see, to see that come back and, and dominate and, you know, dominate the paint and, and do the things that we've been expecting them to do based on, you know, really the last two years. Yeah. They hold Orlando to just 30 points in the paint again. You're right, Frank. I mean, this is exactly where the series turned. I mean, you can point to the offensive numbers for the Bucks. You can point to a bunch of different players uh, performing better as the series went on. Chris Milton obviously was, was really solid again today, but ultimately it started with the defense. And I think that this series is kind of interesting to project forward and look at what could happen in the future. And, and Bud spoke about the fact that, listen, if we get our paint defense back on track, we're going to be just fine. As you said, there were some moments where it was a little bit closer, but I do think that, that any anxiety from the fans or, or stress in that regard just came from the fact that they lost game one because I was with you today, Frank, watching this game today. Even when it got back to three points, I was like, eh, uh, <laughs> I wasn't really sitting forward in my seat like I was in game two when the game got a little bit close and the Bucks were potentially about to go down uh, two zip in the series if things didn't go well. A- across the entire five games, the Bucks win the last four, obviously two of those by 15 points and two of those by 14 points. So it was pretty comfortable. But it's interesting to look at the three-point shooting as you pointed to. This is a team that typically doesn't shoot the ball well, but it's a good indicator of the Bucks' ability with that paint defense, how they can still beat a team, even if they shoot the ball well. Across the series, Orlando, 37.7% from the outside. They were making 15 threes a game in this series, which is obviously a hell of a lot. They had a couple of games where uh, they were up in the, in the high teens. So again, as long as you are restricting that those points in the paint, restricting the fouls and sending the team to the free throw line, you can withstand a really hot night shooting from the opposition. Now, I know that that isn't always exactly what the fans want to hear, and the open threes at times can be a little bit frustrating. And certainly against Miami projecting forward, they've got a team with a, with a bunch of shooters that will let it fly. But uh, this is the math game. This is the game that the Bucks are playing, and this is why 
they always come back to that interior defense when they're trying to point to how they're going to be successful on the defensive end. And I thought this game actually started uh, with defense, but not necessarily shot blocks and, and the magic missing shots, but it was with turnovers. The Bucks had nine points of turnovers in the first quarter. And uh, some of it was self-inflicted by the magic for sure. But again, uh, you got to give the Bucks credit coming in today, showing up to the arena and being able to lock in defensively. Uh, that, that gave them the ascendancy really from the start in this one. Yeah, it's weird. Orlando only ended up with 11 turnovers. So it yeah. felt like, you know, half of them came in the first five or six minutes uh, of the game. And I think you can probably tie that back to them eventually being able to come back as hitting some threes and, uh, you know, being able to clean up some of the turnovers that, that we saw early. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mean, I think give the magic credit. I mean, you know, literally they're the team that uh, they've got, you know, I think uh, as was pointed out on the, the national broadcast, you know, they can all go home. They've got all 45 minute drives back home after this game. Like they, they don't even have to, you know, pack up a, 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 like for, for a flight or something like that, like every other team. So um it's hard to say exactly what, you know, what those guys might've been thinking coming into this game, you know, certainly, uh, you know, would have been easy for them to kind of say, you know what, like have kind of one eye on, on the off season at this point, given, you know, we all kind of knew where, where this series was headed, but uh, you know, give them some credit. Obviously they, uh, you know, they didn't give up uh, even when they went down, uh, they came out and, and continued to hit shots and um, you know, mentioned the three point shooting, uh, but overall, you know, this was, uh, was looking at, I think this was actually by defensive rating measures. Uh, this is the second best game. So I, game two was a 93 defensive rating. This one was almost uh, just under a 99 defensive rating for the bucks. So, uh, you know, again, and, and you can probably tie that entire difference to the fact that the magic were, you know, seven out of 33 shooting threes in that second game. And, and they were 15 out of what 41, I think today. So, um, you know, Take out, take away the three-point defense. I think this was, uh, you know, the Bucks' best overall performance, probably from from a rating standpoint. Um, you know, fouling was was better today. They had 19 fouls compared to 23 for the Magic, so they didn't really give all those cheap cheap points away like they did in that second game. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, that you wouldn't have faulted either team for coming out flat or looking a little out of sorts in today's game. But uh, ultimately, you know, the Bucks, especially the starters, you know, you look at the, the plus minus numbers um, of, of the guys today, uh, you know, Giannis and Chris, both plus 21, Bledsoe plus 26. So we're, I think it was last game, right, where Bledsoe was a big minus and, and George Hill was a big positive, a yeah. uh, bit of a reversal today. But the starters were the big positives. I think Marvin, Marvin Williams, who hit four threes and, and was really a key guy today, um, he, uh, he was plus eight. He was the only a reserve who actually had a positive uh, rating today uh, and the magic starters woof uh, Ennis minus 32 Vucevic minus 26 Vucevic had his worst shooting game nine out of 25 uh, for 22 points today uh, Fultz minus 30 you know even when Fultz kind of seems like he has a good game you kind of look at the box score and it's like 14 points on 14 shots I think he's had a lot of those where he does make some plays but um, you know he just especially against the Bucks defense just ends up taking a lot of like mid-range floaters and you know he's obviously I, don't, I still don't know how he shoots the fact that he still shoots threes the way he does you know um is kind of scary to me if I'm a magic fan you know like that he I, I don't know I'm not we could have a whole separate Mark Helfold discussion <laughs> but I, I 
don't, probably don't know enough about. Listen, uh, Frank, on. Frank, we, we've got uh, we've got enough of our own players. Yeah, to we got enough. This we, year. Got enough we, to, we don't need to. Yeah, we don't need we to don't venture need to into the Markle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but overall, um, you know, I think again, positive today. I think um, like like we said, the starters. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty good across the board. I mean, Giannis, Jan, 28 points, 17 rebounds in 28 minutes. Um, three out of six threes, which was interesting. I think his only points in the second half were on two three-pointers. He had 22 points at the half, and then he hit that corner three, and then he hit that uh, that other three in the in the fourth quarter, I think it was. So, um, yeah, that spot-up three that, that uh, kind of sealed it. So, um kind of strange in that regard, but, um, you know, it was good to see Middleton, not like a, an outstanding Chris Middleton game, but 20 points, 10 rebounds, seven assists, uh, just a couple turnovers, which is good to see because he's had some turnover problems. Uh, so nice to see Chris get, you know, into that 20 plus point range and doing other stuff, you know, playing his floor game, um, as he, as you'd expect him to, um, that was encouraging, you know, to see him string together, uh, I won't say necessarily two straight games, but five straight quarters, maybe <laughs> since last game, all his scoring seemed to come in the fourth quarter. So that was positive. Brooke was solid. Bledsoe only 10 points, but hit a couple threes and eight assists. I thought he was good. I mean, the plus minus, I think kind of tells a, a reasonable story there. And Wes Matthews didn't shoot well, but um, you know, George Hill 11 points on only three shots. He got to the rim a couple times um, when I think the Bucks needed it and did some damage from the line. So, um, you know, again, not a work of art, not a, a game that, you know, anybody's going to look at and say, Oh, they're going to steamroll the heat now, you know, but, uh, but they got care. They took care of business uh, on a day when, you know, taking care of business was probably still maybe not the first thing on their minds. And, um, you know, I think that's obviously just a sign of, uh, you know, the fact these guys are pros and um, encouraging that, that uh, obviously after game one, that they got their act together and hopefully, uh, Hopefully, obviously, that that's something that carries over into Monday's game one. And, um, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that. But um, I think, uh, weirdly, you know, I don't think rest is a huge thing for teams right now, given how, you know, given they had just had four months off and, you know, everybody had a couple of days off just now. So um, hopefully, you know, the fact that the Bucks have actually played a game uh, in the last like four or five days actually sort of helps them maybe going into game one. And, who knows, you know, maybe you catch Miami, maybe a little bit rusty coming out of a, a more extended break than, than they were probably expecting. But, um, you know, that's obviously to, to be, to be determined. Uh, it's, uh, we're, as we always say, it's just, you know, we're in new territory for now multiple reasons. Uh, so every game, you know, it's hard to kind of say, Oh yeah, like normally when this happens and you can watch out for this, like who knows, <laughs> but we'll see, we don't have to wait long for, uh, for game one against the Heat. So as I hinted at the start of the podcast, there wasn't much basketball talk related to the game, uh, post-game or pre-game for that matter. And one of the guys that Bud did talk about, though, when he was asked a, a basketball-related question was Marvin Williams. You hinted to the impact he had. Obviously, the four threes, is, it's a really welcome sight to see him knock them down. But as you mentioned, that stretch that he had when the Magic did close to three points, Marvin Williams first had a a big uh, offensive tip back that allowed a second chance opportunity. He ended up knocking down the three on the third chance opportunity, then drew a charge, then hit a three on the following possession as well. And that felt like that really closed out the series, that little two minute stretch from Marvin. So again, I mean, we've spoke about Marvin Williams and the impact he's, he's already had defensively while he's been figuring things out, but seeing him 
start to hit some of those threes is, is obviously a really positive sign. Funnily enough, he ended up shooting 61% from three in this, in this series. Uh, the four for five night uh, tonight clearly helped that. There's not a, a big volume there. But uh, as far as Giannis goes, we already hinted at the fact that, again, I mean, it was, you, know, you look at those lines and you just laugh because the, the numbers that he puts up on nights that he doesn't necessarily stand out to you as having a monster Giannis night is incredible. Five games in the first round against Orlando, he finish, finishes with 30.6 points, 16 rebounds, six assists in just 31 minutes per night. And that's on 59% from the field and 38.5% from three he was getting those threes up in this series i know we spoke a lot about some of those early shot clock threes that he was taking but three for six again from behind the arc again tonight we know that clearly the challenge is going to be greater against miami moving forward but uh Giannis again uh just gets the job done but one thing i did want to bring up the coach's challenge it's really interesting we spoke about this all season long i i don't think now and and listen we're 10 months gone since opening night and i don't think we're any closer to uh figuring out if there's any exact strategy or way to use the challenge i think we both have agreed that really from both sides whether it's the opposition using the challenge or bud using the challenge using it with a Giannis foul situation seems like the best course of action Steve Clifford used his early in the game on a Brook Lopez charge block, which I, I tweeted it out at the time, but I was like, man, this is a win for the Bucs. Anytime an opposition coach wants us to use it on a player that isn't Giannis, yeah, t- who cares? I don't even care if you reverse the call. Take the foul. I don't care, as long as it's not on Giannis. And Giannis fouls kind of snuck up tonight, and that's why when the Magic did close the game to within three points in the fourth quarter, uh, no, I didn't think they were going to lose, but... The fact that Giannis had five fouls did leave you in the situation where Bud was hesitant to bring him back on the floor. And certainly there is a scenario where you had to play the last six, seven, eight minutes of this game in a close game without Giannis on the floor due to foul trouble. Now, one of those fouls earlier in the game, it was, <laughs> it was a, a, an embarrassing flop from DJ Augustine. Uh, I'm not sure how the official that was standing right there didn't see this. It was about as obvious as it could possibly be. I'm really, really surprised that Giannis wasn't more animated in his response to this foul call. And Bud was a long way away. So I'm not suggesting that Bud should have used the challenge here. But again, maybe it was one of those situations where Giannis needed to be more animated and say, you got to, I didn't touch him there. And then it's up to the player to obviously trust his superstar, but he should do that with Giannis. Uh, that decision and the fact that that wasn't challenged, I don't know you know, who to suggest should have done what in, in that scenario, but that was one miss. That was one miss that could have been costly and would be more costly uh, as the playoffs roll on. It's hard with, with challenges too, because it's like, I mean, Augustine and Giannis like make contact, but then obviously the way that, that Augustine flops, like it's, you know, obviously he's totally exaggerating anything there. So I'm kind of curious if they actually would have overturned that or not. I mean, I hope they would have, um, but I mean, who knows, right? I mean, with these overturns, typically they're, they're very, you know, uh, hesitant to really actually change any calls unless it's that there literally is no contact at all. Um, so so we'll see. But I mean, I agree. Yeah. I mean, when, when they challenged the Lopez one, my, my thought was that that was, you know, a net, a net positive. Before. <laughs> I mean, again, like you, you don't want to have a, a successful challenge, but um, anytime it's not used on Giannis, you know, it feels like a, a sigh of relief that they're not going to have it later. So, um, 
so we'll see. But um, but yeah, I mean, I thought in general, actually, uh, Giannis played. It felt like he played much more under control um, against the number of bodies that they were showing him as mm-hmm. the series wore on, and I thought he did a real nice job, kind of adjusting and figuring out how to snake past uh, the the many times that um, you know he was driving, and and obviously Orlando was trying to throw extra bodies. I mean, it felt like he really. I don't know t- to what extent they. I, I mean, I'd, again, I'd have to like watch a ser- you know, like a bunch of clips or something. But um, I, I'm I'm curious if they were if he felt like they were really shading him to his left because it felt like he did so much of his damage going to his left. I mean, we you know the the kind of most emblematic play today was that um, play where he just drives left from the three three point arc and you know looked like he was going to lay it in and then he just like you know, dunked him. He was like, that's some like nerf hoop shit, you know, like that's one of those plays that, you know, like just underscores how crazy Giannis's skill set is. The fact that he can get a dunk from that situation driving at, you know, it's not like Gary Clark is a, is a guard, right? I mean, Gary Clark's not a bad defender by any means. And Giannis just kind of jumps right over him in the end. <laughs> and, uh, and he had another, I think his first basket was, I think he just sort of like snaked, uh, snake pass defenders going to his left as well. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, then this is, you know, we saw this, like, you, you know, if you watch the map series, you know, Luca in like game one, even you could see it like, you know, great defenses, they throw looks at great players and you think, Oh, how are they going to react to that? Right. Oh, the Giannis stopper, or the, what, whatever it is. Right. Or, Oh, you just do this. And, you know, we've seen it for Giannis throughout his career. Like he just always finds ways to adapt and, solve uh you know whatever whatever new thing that you know seems like oh yeah like just you know back up off him or get up on him or put a small guy on him put a big guy on him put a center on him you know whatever teams do i mean there's just there's just no he's just too good to you know have one way of of stopping him and you know toronto is probably obviously the example in the playoffs last year that did the best job but again it wasn't like just put Kawhi on him and he'll lock him down one-on-one it was like well put Kawhi on him and then throw like all NBA caliber defensive players behind Kawhi (laughs) and have them swarm him when he drives right and force other guys to make shots. Um, And I think that's still probably the, you know, the closest you can come to a quote like strategy to stop Giannis. But, um, but I mean, he obviously just deserves a ton of credit for just, I think again, like we kind of, we probably, you know, so much of his game is just sort of like appears to be sort of instinctual, but I think he deserves a ton of credit for the way that, you know, he has figured out how to adapt to what defenses give him and to know what he can do and what he can't do. And obviously he still gets, you know, charges and turnovers and things like that. But um, for the degree of difficulty of things that he does and the degree to which he has to create stuff for himself and the volume of scoring he does, you know, especially on that permanent basis. I mean, it is crazy um, all the things that he's able to do. And, you know, obviously we saw that, throughout this series, but in particular, really in particular the last three games, right. is where he, his efficiency really took a huge leap up. And, um, uh, you know, you can't, you, you, again, like we, we kind of, you kind of take it for granted at times. And we obviously we try to catch ourselves and, <laughs> and make sure we call it out pretty regularly that like, yes, we need to just acknowledge how crazy it is. Some of the stuff that this guy is doing night in and night out because, you know, 30 years from now, you know, we'll tell our grandkids, uh, about Giannis and, I don't think there'll be anybody that we can compare him to, you know, just be like, 
go watch YouTube or whatever the version of YouTube is at that point that people use. Uh, you just, you really just have to watch what he does game in and game out to appreciate just how incredible he is. Well, I think over the next week or so, we'll have plenty of time to discuss uh, those types of different things that we've seen from Giannis, different looks. There was a couple just quick points that I want to make that we'll probably touch on more uh, as the days roll on and as this ser- next series progresses. But a couple of things that I think I was really impressed with from Giannis, and it sort of ties into the point you made. Uh, we know Orlando are going to throw a lot of bodies at him, and I, I think his patience particularly... Uh, are in double teams and in triple teams and his ability to make the right pass I think has continually improved and I think he showed that in this series certainly outside of game one as well he seemed to sort of calm down a little bit always make the right decisions but it's also incumbent on the other players on the Bucks roster to move without the ball I always say that Pat Connaughton is the best cutter on the Bucks, and he got a beautiful one uh, from Chris Middleton today where just cutting straight down the lane. Middleton had a couple of bodies preoccupied with him uh, posting up and we know that's a dangerous spot for Chris to be and credit to Chris for uh, finding Pat with a beautiful pass uh, there, no doubt. So, th- so that's obviously uh, something to watch moving forward, the ability to make those decisions. That was, a, that was something that uh, brought the Bucks unstuck in the Eastern Conference Finals last year because outside of kicking the ball in those situations out to a shooter on the perimeter, the Bucks seemed stuck. They didn't seem to have another option. So I've been really pleased with that. And the other thing moving forward, I, I think the Bucks have become really, really aware of the advantage they have, whether it's Giannis standing under the hoop or Brooke Lopez standing under the hoop when the other teams go for small lineups. Even if there's two or three guys there, the Bucks have done a really good job. And it happened time and time again in this game where the players would just say, all right, I'm just going to lob the ball up in the air in your general vicinity. And Giannis, I know that you're just going to go get it. And Brooke Lopez the same. And they both got countless dunks just from simply lobbing the ball up and they were too big uh, for their opponents. So it's something interesting to watch. So again, I think the Bucks have done a better job of, of picking apart the advantages they have or the mismatches they have with opposition teams. And Brooke Lopez, again, uh, continued his strong play offensively today. But before we wrap this up, Frank, I, I have to ask... Uh, if there was any concern that perhaps uh, I wouldn't be here for the start of this podcast, I might be running a little bit late because I'm not, I'm not sure if you saw George Hill's post-game uh, press conference. Now, if you were watching the the start of the game, you would have noticed on the broadcast because they certainly showed George Hill the fact that he, he wasn't with the players for the national anthem and he was kind of hanging out the back. And, and I, I know that there would have been some conversation or some queries whether this was a, a some form of protest from George Hill well he was asked about this after the game and he said uh, no uh, there was no protest uh, I actually just take a shit before every time before I play and uh, this time I, I went to take my pregame shit and I came out and uh, the national anthem had started and I got caught on camera out the back so uh, <laughs> listen um, I, I was prepared for this podcast, but if this podcast ever starts and I'm not here then just you just have to assume it's just my uh, my pregame ritual <laughs> I mean, well, it was, uh, you're the I, one I was, that sends up. You're you're the one who always sends out the invite, so I'm always the one who's late. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, uh, I I did see the the footage bit of him kind of moving to the alt, and I didn't. I had the volume down when I was watching, and I was kind of a little confused. I was like, "Wait, where?" I was like, "He's going." I was like, "You think he's still going towards the court?" Um, you know, there was no indication uh, before the game that you know the Bucks. It seemed like obviously everyone was saying the Bucks had you know they were intending to play and um and everything so uh so yeah just uh maybe a little bit of um you know George Hill uh, unintentionally keeping people uh a little bit 
um, in suspense, but, uh, but, you know, um, I would say, you know, for, for as important as everything is that that's happening around the NBA right now. And, um, you know, the, the, the broader ambitions at the team, uh, the Bucks and, and all the rest of the NBA that they're really pushing forward. And, you know, I think one of the cool things we heard today was, um, you know, all the, uh, that sounds like all of the league's arenas will be used to, you know, basically get people registered for, for voting and, and you know, basically uh, support folks voting um, this fall. Um, so that's, you know, you can say, oh, well, well, okay, so you, you guys sat out a game. Well, what, what became of it, right? I think that's always, whatever, that's always the easy, the easy way to like diminish, you know, the something that in to a large extent is, is was symbolic, right? Um, but it is remarkable. It, I mean, there's, it seems like there's actually stuff happening, you know, and the players uh, obviously pushing the owners to, to kind of step their game up a bit. Um, you know, we'll see what, what else happens, but um, you know, I think it was obviously in the grand scheme of things um, you know, it's been a very, it's been a whirlwind few days, um, but it was, you know, uh, I would say again, not, not to diminish everything that's happening out off the court uh, for sure, but it was also as a fan, you know, great to see that, those things are happening and um, we have basketball back and the Bucks obviously, you know, did what you would have hoped that they do today and take care of business. And now obviously um, it's on to, to bigger and better things, hopefully uh, in the second round. Yeah. I would say uh, again, just to touch on, on what you noted there, because it, it has felt weird. It's felt weird. Um, you know, for me that it's like, well, do we talk about basketball? It kind of feels like it, it is, well, it doesn't just feel like it is such a trivial thing to sit here and talk about, a basketball game that we watched today, considering everything that's happened over the last few days and everything that continues to happen in the U S and across the world with the protests. But for me, anyone that says that, well, what did that one game achieve to me? If someone's saying that, then they don't really want to look for what it achieved and they, they don't have any interest in actually uh, reading and learning what these players continue to do. And Mike Boonholzer after the game said, Trying to end racial injustice and end racism and make this world a better place is still more important than anything we did today, more important than us winning. The Bucks did move through to the second round, but importantly, off the court, they're going to continue to be leaders. They, they led this thing. It was a player-driven thing, and I said this the other day on the podcast, but to, to have any sort of connection uh, with that team, with that city, in the smallest possible way, I, I was certainly proud to do so, and I, I tweeted this out, but I can tell you, that this wasn't just a, a national news item in the US. It's been all over the news here in Australia. I said that more people have asked me about Milwaukee in the last few days than they have combined in my in my total life. The text messages I've got and calls I've got asking about what this was all about, what are they fighting for, uh, it, it's cool. And it's cool and, and it does just make you have even more respect uh, for this team. And Brooke Lopez said after the game that this experience they're already a close locker room. This experience has just brought this group even closer together in the fight that they are trying to uh, lead. And I think that that, again, is just uh, full credit to this team, Frank. They uh, On court, they're great, but off the court, uh, they might be even better. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, this, this is going to be one of the seasons that we will never forget, regardless of what happens from here on out. Um, and obviously, you hope that, um, you know, the... Uh, the important things that, that happened in that locker room that obviously if those can, can kind of continue to, you know, forge the chemistry and cohesiveness on the court that it clearly has led to off the court. Obviously that would be a great thing. And, um, you know, 
I mean, if, if the Bucks were to win a championship this year, I mean, what an amazing story it would be, you know, with all the drama and plot turn, you know, plot twists and the, the broader, you know, impact that, that they're having um, along with hopefully what continues to happen on the court is, is pretty remarkable. Um, one, one thing before, before we go, just to kind of turn it back to, to basketball, one thing I, I, you know, as we were just talking about Miami, um, you know, it, ultimately obviously in that game again in the bubble that we saw you know Giannis eventually really got loose and and dominated that game offensively um but I I think one thing that an interesting trend that we trend that we saw in this series um you know looking at and again these are you know like I always say you know the playoffs are are just a series of of small samples um but it was interesting as far as like Giannis's usage um I think one of the things that I liked from the Bucks is um you know we it felt like there was less of Giannis um, as just trying to post up and, you know, especially when teams want to send doubles uh, you know, again, bucks have to be able to take advantage of that with ball movement. But um, I think one of the things that was interesting looking at just some of the play type stats uh, you know, Giannis's post-ups where he basically only had like, you know, but basically it was halved his number of shot attempts versus the regular season out of post-ups uh, he also doubled his number of shots coming out of pick and rolls where he was the ball handler as well as pick and rolls where he's the role man. And I think that was really interesting to watch. We saw a, a very steady diet of them trying to get Giannis um, with, you know, kind of those reverse pick and rolls where Kyle Korver or a point guard like Bledsoe or somebody else is setting a screen for him so he can, you know, kind of dance through the lane and, and see if he can get a free run at the rim. Um, but I think especially as a role man, I think that's obviously something that he's so dangerous at, especially with Middleton as a ball handler in particular. Uh, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch here when you think talk about looking forward to the Miami series. I think, I think especially against good teams, I think, you know, just trying to post him up, um, I think can be, um, I think can maybe make it kind of make it easier on them, um, than, than maybe, uh, it should on the defense when you have a good defensive team. So I think, again, that variety is really important. And again, some of the times Giannis gets, you know, look, it starts as a post-up and then he faces up and it ends up not being a post-up. Um, so, you know, whether that should count or not, obviously that's more just a accounting thing. But, um, you know, I just remember that early in that Miami game, they were crowding him in the post very well. And then he started using the baseline more. Um, he started really attacking early in transition and, uh, you know, obviously ended up having a great game. So um, I think that's going to be obviously probably the, the biggest subplot is just Miami versus probably the two biggest subplots for me, you know, what can Miami do to slow Giannis down? Obviously that's the subplot. It is anytime anybody plays the bucks. And then secondly, um, you know, three point shooting, obviously for Miami, they've been a very good two point shooting team, but they also start two guys who don't really shoot three pointers. So it's kind of that interesting dynamic um, where, you know, Bam and Jimmy Butler are, are really creating and can the bucks defend those guys honestly in a way that doesn't give, you know, Duncan Robinson and, you know, all their other three point shooters, good open looks. Cause they really don't have guys who sort of like dribble into threes. They've just got tons of really good, you know, spot up shooters. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. Obviously it was like the real start of the playoffs for the bucks. And uh, I think you were joking. It's at five thirty central. So that's a late start <laughs> by, uh, by buck standards. Um, I was, I was joking. Oh, in the second round, maybe the bucks will play at two o'clock central on, you know, NBA TV rather than <laughs> at noon. Um, but, but yes, they are finally start, starting to play a little bit later in the day, but still not, uh, still not at a normal time, but at this point they're probably kind of getting used to that. 
Yeah, well, there is going to be uh, two games a day. Basically, from here on out, there's a couple of series that potentially we could get a couple of game sevens out west. But outside of that, uh, we will be back to two games a day. So the Bucks will get the early game. Uh, they'll cater to the West Coast audience, but certainly the way they've scheduled this as well, uh, the, the Eastern Conference series are going to be opposite each other uh, or day after day. So, yeah, the Bucks are finally... We'll, they'll get a morning shoot-around in. They haven't had a morning shoot-around in about uh, three weeks, I think, when you uh, counter the, the end of the bubble games, uh, the seeding games, and then, of course, uh, the first round. So 5.30 tip-off on Monday. Yes, I am very thrilled about that. That's 8.30 for me, Frank. But yes, you sort of pointed to. The playoffs get real now. We've still got time to uh, dive into this Miami series in a little bit more detail before game one, but it's going to be a challenge. Miami have had... Over a week, uh, sitting in their hotel rooms in the bubble, how does that affect them for game one? We've seen that it hasn't exactly been a positive thing for the Bucks moving forward, but who knows? I mean, there's so much other stuff going on. It's kind of impossible to predict the impact this is going to have on court, but we look forward to talking about it more tomorrow. Frank, uh, I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, it's 12.30 a.m. on a Saturday night. Go to damn bed. Get some damn sleep. And uh, <laughs> we will, we will uh, be back tomorrow to preview Bucks and Heat a little bit more. Stay safe out there and we'll speak to you guys then.